Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And I've taken another step. I've taken another step. A couple people were talking about Rule 5 selections today, who might be a curious choice, who might be a good choice, who might be a terrible choice. I like back-and-forth banter. I like back-and-forth banter because it, A, gets me to see which side I tend to agree with, which doesn't make that side right because I'm not always right. I know that. But it gets me to also see how a civilized in a civilized discussion both sides of a two-way argument, I can agree with portions of both. Um, I decided I was going to run down the lists, the six-year free agent list and the Rule 5 eligibles list. Both names, or, but both lists are completely valid, completely legitimate. And both have names that I'm putting on my tentative reassess list. My tentative reassess list, which is 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 names. I have 13 names on my tentative reassess list. That doesn't mean that the Cubs are going to keep all 13. That would be stupid. But... I'm going to have to more closely reassess these 13. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down the asterisk names on Arizona Phil's list. And I have to go down both lists. I have to go down both lists because they are basically joined at the hip. They're joined at the hip. I need to... To do this properly, I need to be aware of which players on which lists make sense long term. And I got I have to look at both. Okay, so on the six year free agent list, the the names I, I have asterisked a number of names. Dakota Chalmers, Scott Efros, Janeshwi Fargus, Brian Hudson, Ian Miller, Yuri Ramos. On the Rule 5 eligibles list, I have, well, um, Arizona Phil has asterisked some names, um, highlighted some names. Chris Allen, Edmund American, Javier Assad, Derek Casey, Danias Correa, Giovanni, uh, Giovanni Cruz, Zach Davis, Luis Devers, Manuel Espinosa, Jeremiah Estrada, Ben Hecht, Brandon Hughes, Gabriel Jaramillo, Brendan Little, Dakota Mekas, Eduarniel Nunez, Carlos Ocampo, Jack Patterson, Jonathan Perlaza. I'm pausing there for a reason. Jack Patterson, Jonathan Perlaza. I'm going to add Jonathan Perlaza to the list. I'm going to add Jonathan Perlaza to my tentative list. Where, oh, that's right. It's on this sheet of Jonathan Perlaza. 
data changes. Data changes, informations cha information changes, um, things change. Things change, and it's foolish to not reassess as time goes on. So, uh, Carlos Ocampo, Jack Patterson, Jonathan Perlaza, Fabian, Fabian Pertuz, Peyton Remy, Alfonso Rivas, Ethan Roberts, Benjamin Rodriguez, Luis Angel Rodriguez, Cam Sanders, Jason Santana, Riley Thompson, Eric Yulman, Dauris Valdez, Luis Vazquez, Nelson Velazquez, Luis Verdugo, Andy Weber, Jared Young, Delvin Zinn. Those are the names that realistically could be considered for Rule 5 selection. And I've trimmed it down a bit. Here are the names of the players. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I have 14 names. 14 names. And I haven't made decisions on any of them. But I'm going to toss three into a smoothie and explain to you why, from my perspective... Reassessing more often is better than reassessing one time. Danis, Danis Correa, Brandon Hughes. Uh, Correa, right-handed reliever. Brandon Hughes, left-handed reliever. Gabriel Jaramillo, right-handed reliever at the Myrtle Beach level. Brandon Little, left-handed reliever. Dakota Mekas, right-handed reliever. Eduarniel Nunez, right-handed reliever. Ethan Roberts, right-handed reliever. Cam Sanders, Right-handed starter, Nelson Velazquez, outfield, Jared Young, DH, Alfonso Rivas, first base, left field, Scott Efros, relief pitcher, Yuri Ramos, relief pitcher, and Jonathan Perlaza, outfield. All 14 of those, a reasonably valid case can be made. I'm going to have to keep looking at them. They're all now close enough where I'm going to have to reassess them, at least for my, for my confidence, for my, for why, why would I select this guy over that guy? Um, wh which guys would I select and why would I select them in that order? Now, three guys stick out as far as this gets really tricky. Brendan Little. Scott Efros and Dakota Mekas. Dakota Mekas has. I, I had a podcast on him a couple days ago. The case for not calling him up. I don't know if. I, I, I'll, I'll say this for all three of them Efros, Mekas, Little. I don't know if someone is certainly going to select any of the three. And if it gets to the point where in gets to be mid-December and the Rule 5 draft happened and nobody selected whichever one was eligible. Whichever one. I, I, I don't imagine 
the Cubs will protect all three. Afros, Mekas, Little. I don't think the Cubs will protect all three. They might protect one. They might protect two. They might they might protect three. They might protect none. But if if one or two of them are not protected and not selected, not protected, not selected, they shouldn't have been added to the 40-man roster. What you're basically trying to decide is what is some... What are 30 other executive front offices, what are 29 other executive front offices going to do? What are 29 other teams going to do? And you're having to answer what are 29 executive front offices going to do in early December, and you're answering that question in late August. There's a lot of stuff still going to happen. If the Cubs end up calling up Dakota Mekas. He's going to take a 40-man roster for the entire offseason. Will that be um, horrible if it happens? No, of course not. Would it possibly be wasting a 40-man roster spot on a player who otherwise might not have been selected? Could happen. Brendan Little, er, er, article today talking about how, uh, I don't know, Year, year, within the last year, year and a half, someone uh, had Brendan Little over in the pitch lab. And they said, show me your two-seam fastball. Said, I don't have one. Brendan Little did not have a two-seam fastball. He was a first-round draft pick by the Cubs. He did not have a two-seam fastball. Now you can say, why did they not scout that? Why didn't they notice that? Why didn't they recognize that? Why didn't they realize that? The reality is, when you have a player to develop for over a course of a stretch of time, as happens with major league draft selections. Right now, I'm thinking of Burl Caraway. When I see the name Brendan Little, I'm thinking Burl Caraway. To me, they're the same guy. Uh, there's stuff there. It just has to be polished and developed. Um, Brendan Little, does it make sense to call him up? in August and September. Well, are you going to keep him in the offseason? Are you going to add him in, in to the 40-man roster? Wow. Really hard decisions. Um, Scott Efros, same kind of decision. Same kind of thing. Um, he is a six-year free agent. So in theory, the Cubs could offer Scott Efros a shot in the Arizona League to take a look at him there. And as of right now, it's a tentative list because it is, it's a very tentative list. Possibly um, Carlos Ocampo would have been on my list. Very possibly he would have been on my list. But a couple days ago, he was injured in a game. Does that mean he can't be protected on the 40-man roster? No. But if a player is injured, that um, sticks a pin in his perceived value in other organizations. If I know Carlos Ocampo got hurt... Other teams know Carlos Ocampo got hurt. Um, that's how it goes. That's how it works. If I know something, all the imp important people in other organizations know it. I haven't included Eric Yulman on my list. Perhaps I should, but I don't want this list to be 47 names long. The goal is to, at least for me, to get better 
looks, better assessments on, on these players. And Cam Sanders, who's on the list, I've already admitted I have no idea about him. I, there's, there's no way I'm going to have proper knowledge on Cam Sanders, but he is a tentative ad. One of the things Sanders provides that most of the others do not is length. If a team were to add Cam Sanders to their 40-man roster in December, he could potentially be a two-inning, three-inning reliever. He's not going to be a starter yet, but um, if a team would decide... What teams are trying to do with the 40-man draft, with the Rule 5 draft in December, they're trying to poach talent. Someone was commenting on how they wouldn't protect Brendan Little. They wouldn't protect Brendan Little because he's not advanced enough, he hasn't shown enough, and teams wouldn't think that they would be able to keep him on the roster for an entire season. A lot of the teams drafting in the Rule 5 draft don't really give a rat's behind about 2022 anyway. They'd say, yeah, we're going to lose. You know, let's use Pittsburgh, for example. Brewers are going to be good enough next year. The Reds are going to be good enough next year. The Cardinals are going to be good enough next year. They're going to be a fourth-place team. They're going to be a fourth-place team at the very best. Why Why are they going to worry about, oh, my goodness, if we send in Brendan Little, it might have us lose a game once in a while. They don't care. That's That's not a high concern. People are of this mindset still that for every single gosh-darn team in the league, the expectation is, hey, maybe we can finish in second, first or second and make the postseason. A lot of teams walk into the offseason knowing, yeah, really, that's not going to happen. That's really not going to happen. We're not going to contend. We're not really going to compete. Let's try to assess our talent. Let's try to assess other teams' talent and get the right players. So as of right now, I'm still wavering. Hopefully by the weekend, hopefully by the end of the weekend, hopefully by the end of the Cubs-White Sox series, I will have stopped being so wishy-washy. Hopefully by the end of the weekend, I will have decided, at least to some extent, on the current Cubs 40-man roster as far as which players probably ought to be protected. I've been a bit wishy-washy, which is fine. But at some point, it becomes somewhat important for me to do this properly, to accurately, adequately, effectively assess the Cubs 40-man roster. And players like Frank Schwindel, Ian Happ, Rafael Ortega, Those three especially, I, I should probably end up getting to the left at some point soon. I'm holding off. I don't know what I'm holding off on. But I don't want to go over 34, 35, 36. 34 I'd be good with. 35 I'd be okay with. 36 would be, wow, that's really stretching it as far as uh, numbers. So I have 23 already on the list. So that means I can still add 13 more. So I'd rather 12 or 11. 
And I just added 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 names I possibly might be adding anyway. Jonathan Perlaza was the most recent I've added. He's at advanced A. He's been hitting the snot out of the ball for the last, oh, Max Toma had a number today. 40 days or so. <clears throat> last 40 days or so. Jonathan Perlaza has been fantastic at advanced day. There really hasn't been any room to move him to double A. Now, the Tennessee Smokies aren't even playing games, so there's no point in calling him up now. But Jonathan Perlaza, if you are a team who... It, it, I use the Cubs for an example. For goodness sake, you can say the Cubs are in a rebuild or a retool or a re... Whatever term you want to use. The Cubs would like to be a good team in 2022. The Cubs would like to have a good team in 2022. The Cubs would like to be a successful team in 2022. But there is no... Um, in my world, in my view, in my expectations, there is no compulsion for them to go out and give a six-year big contract to somebody because, my goodness, we have to do something. No, I don't really see that happening. It's going to be a more of a managed thing. Um, is this guy going to be worth the contract that's available, that, that's being offered? Um, the elite free agents will probably be allowed to go elsewhere if they are getting big money deals. The Cubs will probably sit back a bit on their haunches and wait for players to not have offers elsewhere and then see if they the Cubs can offer an acceptable pillow contract to two or three or four of them, maybe a couple of starting pitchers as well, and hope that it works. That's what I see the offseason being for the Cubs. And if they're at a point where on Rule 5 draft day, they're at 34, 35, 36, they get to Rule 5 draft day, they're going to have a list. They're going to have a list of six guys that they like, maybe. List up to six guys that they like, maybe. And they'll possibly it might be a list of four names. But they'll have a list of guys that, yeah, actually, if this guy is available, will seriously consider taking him. Then it'll depend upon the teams in front of them as to whether they get selected. And it won't be a question of, is this guy going to be our starting right fielder this season? That's not going to be the question. That's not going to be the question. Is this guy immediately ready to help? Uh, no, that's not going to be the question. It's the wrong mindset when you're dealing with the Rule 5 draft. With the Rule 5 draft, if a team is considering a player in the Rule 5 draft, here is generally the most likely mindset regarding the Rule 5 draft for, yes, we want to select this player. Usually the question will be, in two years, Will this guy be a difference maker? Completely different way of looking at it. In two years, will this guy be a difference maker? Based on our scouting, based on our ability to upgrade talent, if the Cubs were to select this guy now, in two years, would he be a dis difference maker? 
Three and a half war a season? Four war a season? Four and a half war? What, if you had, if the Cubs had the opportunity to bring in someone who was going to be a four wins above type of player in two years, we're talking December, so not 2022, not even 2023. If the Cubs were to have a player scouted that is available in the Rule 5 draft, and he would likely be a four wins above player in two years. That's the kind of player they're looking for. Would this guy be a four win? Or you could possibly be looking for a reliever who is starting to put things together. Either way, either or. Will he be a difference maker or is he a reliever who is starting to put things together and will probably be beneficial much sooner? Because if there's that guy who, he's going to be a four-win guy. He's going to be a four-win guy. Regardless what he does in 2021, you can stick him on the back end of the bench. Send him in to pinch hit when you're losing 7-1. to one. Bring him in the eighth inning. Let him play some defense. Whatever it is he's special at. Have him go out and do that. And have him playing games he's not going to make a whole lot of difference in. Maybe it's a left-handed hitting outfielder type of guy. Draft a left-handed hitting outfielder type of guy in the Rule 5 draft. Start him once a week against a right-handed pitcher. Let him go out there. Let him play. I'm learning some stuff. It's not a question of, oh, is, if we have this guy, then we might not finish in third place. We might immaterial. It's projecting the future. Is this guy going to be useful on into the future? When the Cubs grabbed Hector Rondon, they thought, you know what? This guy might be useful on into the future. And you know what? He was useful on into the future. And that he was kind of crappy in his first year. And not really a whole lot better the start of his second year. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Why? Because, well, roster spots were cheap. So they could have a guy on the roster who, well, he's really not very good. But guess what? We're not going to worry about it because we're going to lose all a bunch of games anyway. Hector Rondon eventually figured it out and was eventually very helpful for the Cubs. As I remember, wasn't he on the mound when uh, the Cubs... Eliminated the Cardinals? Yeah, I think so. Might be wrong. Somebody's yelling at their phone. Um, my tentative list. Danius Correa. Brandon Hughes. Gabriel Jaramillo. Brandon Little. Dakota Meccas. Eduarniel Nunez. Ethan Roberts. Cam Sanders. Nelson Velazquez. Jared Young. Alfonso Rivas. Scott Efros. Yuri Ramos. And Jonathan Perlaza. That's my 14 players on my tentative Rule 5 list. Now what I have to do is continue to weed out names on the 40-man roster, put some to the left, put some to the right, get the center column a little bit less uh, occupied, populated, and start close, more closely assessing this tentative list and try to figure out which guys make sense, which guys ought to be uh, prevented from other teams poaching them in December 
I, I was just looking at a name and trying to assess, should this guy be on the 40-man roster and how am I going to know if why? That's basically what you're looking at. It's okay to lose a marginal piece. It's okay to lose a player who might be a part-time reliever. The guy who is the fifth or sixth guy in the bullpen, you're not going to be able to prevent a team from being interested in a relief pitcher who throws 97, 98, 99. If there's a pitcher in the Cubs minor leagues who's gotten at least as far as, let's say, Myrtle Beach, preferably South Bend, but at least Myrtle Beach, he's throwing 97, 98, 99. He's throwing 97, 98, 99. Does not have absolute accuracy. Does not have absolute command. Does not have absolute control. Throwing 97, 98, 99. Or maybe he's throwing 95, 96 from the left side. He hasn't gotten it all figured out. He doesn't have everything nailed down completely. Some team very well might say that is exactly the guy we want to pick up. Pick him up. Bring him into spring training. Bring him into spring training with their pitch lab with their major league coaches, with their pitching coaches, with their coaching gurus. Give him five or six outings in spring training after giving him the run of the facility through spring training. And assess him. Is this guy going to be a guy? Is this guy going to get out? Is this guy going to be useful long term? Any of these 14 players on this list could possibly be a useful player on into the future. And it's really difficult to tell which ones it's going to be. Because if you have the guy, you've seen pitchers that throw 98, 99 and have absolutely no idea where the ball's going. You probably have three or four guys in mind you're thinking of right now. And if the players on the, this list peak out at 97, 98, 99, have no idea where the ball is going to go. If that's what they peak out at, if that is the best they will ever become, then you leave them off the list. But what you're trying to do is look around corners. You're fixing to leave your house to go into the city and check out whatever it is you're going to check out in the city. So it's, you know, a 45-minute drive. The Rule 5 draft preparation is as you're leaving the house, asking yourself, is there going to be a traffic delay that hasn't started yet on my 45-minute drive? Is there going to be a traffic delay that hasn't stopped? You can't know that. That is guesswork, which is exactly what the Rule 5 draft is about. You're guessing which of these players on this list. These are the guys that are real. If I would see any of these names selected in December after being left unprotected, I would be totally unsurprised. Any of these players, oh, okay, well, 
He's on my list. Now, some of the other players, if somebody grabs somebody else, I might be a little bit more surprised. But any of these players, I would be completely unsurprised. All of these have some of the boxes checked as far as what teams are looking for. Very few of them have all of the boxes checked. There is uncertainty. There are questions. But um, as I look to the Rule 5 draft, these are names that are viable, that are logical. I look back at my 40-man 40 40 list, the left column, the center column, the right column. Do these players make sense for the future? Do these players make more sense than these players? As I look at you didn't see that. I'm, do these players on the 40-man roster currently list make more or less sense for the 40-man roster than these players on my tentative list? Those are questions I'm going to have to be asking. And as the season goes along, I think probably some decisions will be made for me. Some decisions will be made for me. Um, but the, pl the players on the field, if they continue, if a Jake Jewell continues to struggle, if a Ryan Meisinger continues to struggle, they can easily scoot to the right. But as the season wears on, I'm going to have to more accurately assess players like Dylan Maples, players like Michael Rucker, players like Adam Morgan, Sergio Alcantara. Where do they belong? And with some players like Michael Hermosillo, I think the decision will be made for me by how they play. If Michael Hermosillo is a fantastic outfielder for the next, what would be, five, six weeks? Five weeks, six, oh, five, six weeks. Be easy to keep him on the 40-man roster. But if Michael Hermosillo is not getting it done, uh, between his defensive play and his base running and his hitting and his, you know, the, the entire... The entire um, spectrum of abilities. If Michael Hermosillo is not getting it done, then it's quite easy to move him over to the right and say, hey, it's been really fun having you around, but you're not going to have a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. If you want, you're certainly welcome to come back with a non-roster invite and try again. But the 40-man roster, roster spot over the offseason is the thing. It's the ordeal. And now I'm looking at Jonathan Holder. He he should probably he should probably get a more serious look. He should probably get a more serious look. And then the question is not today, not tomorrow. Jonathan Holder probably deserves a more um Jonathan Holder probably needs two more outings in Iowa. Two more outings in Iowa. And then he probably ought to be added to the 40-man roster, replacing, insert name here. And then Jonathan Holder will get that pitcher's looks and decisions will be made from there. Trevor McGill, Trevor McGill, I'm, I think I'm going to stop here. Trevor McGill is about as good of an example of why you need every last look you can possibly get. A lot of people, 
I have, well, uh, a number of people I have seen on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm over the Trevor McGill thing. He's not going to be worthwhile. He's not going to be useful. Get rid of him, da 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 whatever. With Trevor McGill, as with some of the pitchers on the tentative list, and other players just in minor league ball, uh, minor league ball, major league ball, whatever. He's not a finished product. If this, what you're seeing now from Trevor McGill, is the best he will ever be, then yeah, you can let him go. Let him go. But the hiccup is development is not a straight line. Players figure things out. Other teams adjust to what they're doing. Uncertainty shows up. They have a couple of bad outings. They leave a pitch out over the plate. Have a couple of bad outings. The question is, how will this player be? In 2022, in about July. July of 2022, maybe maybe April, May of 2023. How's this guy going to be then? Answer that question. If you can answer that question effectively, then you're doing this stuff in an effective fashion. Trevor McGill now might be the poorest pitcher you've ever seen at the major league level. I think I even saw that as a uh, quote on... Facebook from someone who actually has knowledge of minor league baseball. But 2021 isn't what it's about. You should know that by now. 2021 is not what it's about. 2021 is about preparing for 2022. 2021 is about getting the decisions for 2022 correct. If it was about... Is Frank Schwindel ready for Major League Baseball in 2021? What would you have assessed in late July? What would you have assessed in late July? Probably you would have said no. Uh, Why? What were you basing that off of? Well, I looked at his numbers. His numbers were bad at the Major League level. Well, have you ever gotten a chance? No, but why why do I think that an old guy is going to figure it out? Give him the chance, and he figures it out. Now, there's still some questions on on Schwindel for the future. I think he ought to be the DH tonight. Um, that'd make a whole lot of sense. But with players like Trevor McGill, it's not about this season. It's not about this season. It's not about this season. It's about next season. How is this guy going to do next season? What is your reasoning for that? And when people are continuing to prioritize, I don't like him because he's not doing well now. They're probably not going to listen to this podcast. Trevor McGill as a 40-man roster retention or... Scott Efros or Jonathan Perlaza as an off-season addition. It's about the future. It's about the future. It's about the future. This player that you are seeing now, how is he going to be in two years?
into the, well, I'm not a scout. How would I know that? No, that's exactly what it's about. It's exactly about how is this guy going to be in two years. And if you are completely unable to project out how this guy is going to be in two years, then leave with that. I'm shitty at this. I'm horrible at projecting how a player is going to be in 2022. So please disregard all my opinions on this. Be upfront. Be honest. That's cool. I have no idea. I'm really bad at this. What the tentative list assesses, what the players in the center column need to have assessed. Will this guy be useful in July of 22? Will he be useful in May of 2023? That's the question. The Cubs can get by with a horrible outing from Michael Rucker. There are four of them for us here. They can get by with that. That is not even a problem. Are you willing to put something of value of yours on your ability to project out into the future? Because that's what matters. 2021, season's going to go through. And whether the Cubs end up losing 90 or 96 or 88, or it's really immaterial how many losses they have. Getting things right for the future is what's important. So as the Cubs play the White Sox for three games this weekend, it's not so much. The Cubs have to win two games or even the Cubs have to lose three because they have to get back into the dive for five standings. No, that's that's immaterial. Totally immaterial. What's important is getting players assessed for how they're going to do in 2022 and 2023 and beyond. Because it would be a damn shame to, for instance, give up on Dylan Maples just to have him go over to some other team and three weeks later, the light bulb goes on. Why'd we get rid of Dylan Maples? Well, let me see. As I go back into my records... You were in favor of getting Dylan, getting rid of Dylan Maples in May of 2021. In fact, in Ju- July, August of 2020, you were in favor of designating for assignment um, Craig Kimbrell. So apparently your opinion doesn't really matter a whole lot because you're really crappy at this. The goal is the future. The goal is the future. The goal is the future. Assessing the player's Currently on the Chicago Cubs roster is a large part of that. Assessing players not yet on the Chicago Cubs roster is another part of that. It's all part of the game. It's all part of the game that is Major League Baseball and trying to get the Cubs to be a better team for on into the future. If you expected me to tell you which three or four names off of the tentative list... I'm going to recommend being on the 40-man roster. I'm not there yet. I can't be there yet. I'm not there yet. I do have a 14-player tentative list for you, though. But putting the players on the 40-man roster in the left column or the right column and getting them out of the center column and putting them into the proper column, whether left or right, that's the important part. 
There will be free agent acquisitions over the offseason. There will be players claimed on waivers over the offseason. Assessing whether players should actually be on the 40-man roster, that's a huge part of the front office's decisions this offseason. And this entire uh, suite of podcasts is about trying to help you walk you through that and at least getting you to kind of see how I'm assessing things. So now, instead of having three sheets of paper I'm looking at, I'm looking at two. And as games go on, hopefully I can nudge players right or left. And I imagine a couple players might get designated for assignment here soon anyway, which would eliminate them from consideration in the first place. Getting the 40-man roster right in the offseason is monstrous. Monstrous. You can toss in which free agents ought to be looked into, which free agents ought to be prioritized, and all that kind of stuff. That would seem to me to be December questions. December questions, maybe January questions possibly even early February questions, but not November questions, not October questions, and certainly not August or September questions. August and September questions are about properly assessing the 40-man roster, deciding are the fringe players worth retaining or not? Are the fringe players worth retaining or not? And which players that are going to be eligible to be poached this offseason ought to be retained. And I have my tentative list. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Cubs Sox series. If you're of a mind to, listen to Elise Meneker on MLB Network as she helps with the broadcast this weekend. And, um, Either way, try to find a minor league game to follow because all the minor league affiliates are worth following. Have a great weekend.